the Starting Why podcast. Here we ask entrepreneurs, actors, investors, innovative, and artists on the why. Why they are doing what they are doing, what motivates and drives them, and why can't they stop. We will start in five, four, three, two, one. Hey folks, this is Joe from Starting Why. Today I welcome Peter here with me. Hey Peter, how you doing? Hi Joe, how are you? Nice to be here again. I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah, totally my pleasure. We may tell our audience who is first listening to us that we have, I would say, quite some history. You've been a very early guest when I was running a Germans-only podcast. I do believe the recording was 2013 or 2014. Yeah, that was in the very early stages of uh, me being an entrepreneur as well. Um, I think it's nice to see you along the way and your company growing and uh, keep in touch. Like I think every couple of years we do this now. I think it's the third. Is this the third time? But it's hard to separate it from the times we, we met in person. <laughs> yeah, I do believe it's our fourth interview. First, we had this German-only interview. Then we had the interview on Invest in Hessen about your AI startup that you're currently running. And then we had the third one where we already talked about your mental framework on StartupRate.io Entrepreneur Tools. That's right. That's right. So, Well, glad to be here again. <laughs> yeah, totally. My pleasure. As people can already guess, you're already for quite some time in the game, even though you're not old yet. Well, I turned 32 a couple of days ago, so um, the clock is ticking nonetheless. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Just 32 and already running for 10 years your own businesses. How did you start out and why did you start out? So it's eight, eight years almost now. And I started out with one product, figuring out that I, with the mind, now that we're talking about mindset today, uh, my mindset back then was, I was working in corporate and that did not suit me at the time because I still wanted to, I had a lot of energy and wanted to create a lot of things and was searching for my place in this world and work-wise. And um, so I went into engineering first and then I went into banking. And once I figured out that I want to do something by myself first and then maybe go back into a classic job maybe later on when i'll have family or something like that that was my thought back because uh, i didn't have much of a responsibility towards anyone at least not a financial one so i decided that that's going to be it for me and it wasn't really that much like it would that it was that way around a lot of people have it the other way around where they have an idea first and then they decide to become an entrepreneur and act on it i decided to become an entrepreneur and was looking holistically at the options that are out there from my point of view back then what i can do and so i figured out that i want to start with something that's not a rocket because that would take a lot of a lot of time a lot of trust from investors so i was looking for something where you don't need a track record you don't need an insane sums of money 
and you can start quickly. We may, for our audience, in order to get this joke, uh, tell them that at first you didn't want to take a rocket because you started studying aeronautics, aviation, and aerospace science. So you were on your path to become a real rocket scientist. That is true. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But I thought it's, it's that, that's not a good start for me because I didn't have any contacts and I didn't have much of the capital. I had a couple of thousand uh euros and like six and then uh i got borrowed by my family i got borrowed uh, 3k uh later on but that was it and so that that was the point and so i started with a with a beauty brand i started a beauty brand because i thought there's still some some space for that on amazon i so my my thought was put something on amazon get some influencers which was uh, 2013 there was it wasn't that big of a hype yet make some social media and that was it so that i started my first an aftershave for women and from there on i kept building onto cash flows we may add that this aftershave is actually a body aftershave so it's not for bearded women <laughs> it's it's a body aftershave and we've been discussing this in the past but basically how did you approach this problem how did you come up with a project because you decide okay i want to be an entrepreneur and what were the steps between you deciding to take your savings to borrow some money and become an entrepreneur and actually figuring out the real product what did you do there was it like gut feeling that you use as former uh, rocket scientists a lot of analytic tools or was it somewhere in between so I think the the more most complex part was indeed, and it fits to the topic we're talking about today. It was the mindset part. So I had like I think everyone has something that blocks them from from taking some steps, and or everybody knows that feeling when you're jumping into something new. That sometimes you you feel a little like a lot is going to change, or there's so much uncertainty. There's a lot of fears and a lot of things that can block you on the way and for me the main thing was that i only had those six thousand euros and i was thinking you're gonna blow them into nothing instead of just making like a, a journey around the world like a classic just like a big big you could have made i could have made a, a big holiday out of that and that was back then that was that thought of just burning that away with some random idea was really kept me in check and it was only the fear because i hadn't found my place in the work world and my fear of not not fitting into um, the jobs that were available for me at the time that really kicked me over that over that other fear of losing my Hard, I gotta say, hard, hard earned money. I had made that money from waitering most. So each dollar was, was really worked for and long nights and standing a lot. And so it didn't come out of the, the sky. So I, that, that was where my main constraints. And then I decided to, I was still studying. I decided to, to go on a ranch in, in the US. And basically I went to Kansas. And uh, I was there for, for three months and they, they put me on a horse. So I had a lot of time 
sitting on the horse and you know herding herding cattle from from north to south and and sleeping outside i had a lot of time to figure out what i want to do when i come back and i had so much time there to think so basically you booked something like a working holiday travel and work something like that well it was no it wasn't that much it wasn't uh, like that i i, I called Like I must have called like almost 30 ranches. It was probably 30. And my offer was, look, guys, I'm going to come over. I got three months that you can do the ESTA deal. I'm going to come for three months. I'm going to work for free. You guys just give me a roof and something to eat. And that's that's my deal. Because I really wanted, wanted to do that. And there, first of all, these guys were entrepreneurs, obviously, because they, they were running this this whole place. It was a small family to adults and and their son so they were running that and there was like my first also interaction with someone who's running their own business and being very up close and getting rid of a lot of my questions like also about mindset and a lot of time to think because you spend hours and hours for example just searching for a lost calf on your horse all alone just having one direction and you're walking half the day You're riding one way and then you turn around if you didn't find it and you go back and then you start out the next day in another direction. So you have a lot of time and that gave me the time. And I think that's very important. You need some time to think. If you're all like garbaged up by media and everything, you barely have time in a day to think. And if you even go to sleep with your TV on and everything, you You barely have, have time to think and plan plan things out. That's an important thought. Would just like to increase that a little bit before we go out of the range mentally, because I also realize that you need time without any interruptions, without any meetings. What I did is I get most of my external meetings booked with an online tool with Calendly. So basically, I made room there and I can be very, very sure there's no one trying to reach me in this time. How are you going to do it? And what amount of time do you think is reasonable for me? It's like every morning until 12. And after that, I'm a little bit off for lunch, potentially external lunch. And then I'll be bookable until, let's say, uh, seven, eight or nine in the evening. It obviously depends on the person. I can only speak for myself. I think the weekends do it for me mostly. So I really try to keep my weekends as work free as possible. Obviously, that doesn't work always in my job, but I try to keep them as clean as possible. Take long walks, but not take them off so that you can, in order to shut myself or, or, or shove in more information from other sources like watching netflix all day or stuff like that the real quality time to think is just uh, walking through the woods or or anything that that doesn't create extra input so that you have time for your brain to think there's a lot of fears obviously that occur when you take the path of having to make all of your decisions yourself having barely any decisions like really taken away from you in the end, obviously, you can get help and get consulting from your employees or from your partners. But in the end, you have a lot 
a lot of decisions to take yourself. And there's obviously always a fear of taking the wrong one. There's always, as an entrepreneur, you have a limited amount of resources. And if you overinvest, you might dry out. If you underinvest, you might not grow as fast as you want. So you're always in, in a very fine balance of decision-making. And that works best, if you ask me, if, you're, if your mind is calm and relaxed and gets a lot of time to regenerate so you don't fall into a loop of, of bad decisions which create more stress and more fears and that again creates even worse decisions you want you don't want to go down there obviously i think every entrepreneur that has been around for a while has been there and you gotta dig yourself out get your head clear and look forward and that's what i mean by time to think really map out what to do map out what the worst case is actually i think that always helps your mindset a lot mapping also out what is the worst case that can happen and figuring out that no matter what happens you're still going to be alive and be able to do other things or do the whole thing again worst case and and that life goes on and that, that thought it keeps getting i think covered up once you're in a in a, in a bad mindset because then you you really panic as if the world would would end uh, the next day which is usually not the case it's just you lose some money in the worst case that is also something i had to learn in like the first one and a half years of being a solo entrepreneur and i realized i can do a lot with outsourcing stuff so you have to think through what should be done and then i use mini job sites uh, crowdsourcing sites or stuff like this and get really small jobs, small routine jobs, like for example, editing videos, editing audios. That is something I get out of my way. I'm not relieved of the responsibility. I have to listen to every interview again. I have to watch every interview again. I have to do the show notes myself, but at least all the tedious work of editing, of forcing myself to do editing, that is what I've gotten out of the way, as well as many, many other little tasks just to do the same as you said, get your mind free, get your mind a little bit slower because otherwise you just go in overturn. That's what I also see in many entrepreneurs that they work and work and work. And for me, from time to time, it was like that I was working for three days a week until midnight and that wasn't very healthy and I felt it pretty soon. And I really like that you're also saying that is an important part, but sorry, we've been at, on the ranch in Kansas. Right. No, I think, Joe, what you just said, that that's also a big part of it. I mean, in the end, it's on one, there's two construction sites, basically, that you're working on. There's one, the, the one is the mindset and one is the actual amount of load that you are carrying. And with what you just said, Joe, is that's covering the, the second part, you know, reducing the load which you are uh, confronted each day by outsourcing things so that you have more room for strategic decisions and, you know, to move on. But the first part, the pure mindset part, well, back then, after I came back, I, I had my plan and I was like, okay, once I get back, I'm going to start. So I came back and I remember sitting there being like, damn, now I'm going to do this. And uh, that's when my fears of, of losing the money that at that point seemed huge to me started and 
And I remember I was really stressed, even though I hadn't really done much yet. So like looking back, that's the thing. I wasn't even, I didn't have any, hadn't built anything that would like, you know, be a self-created responsibility yet. Just the thought of it was stressing me just as much as today when something really big is, is coming up or something big is going wrong or, you know, if there's a, a huge legal fight that is carrying on. And, and back then, that thought alone of doing something was as stressy as really big things now. And that's basically in category one, how's your mindset at the point? And obviously it grows with experience and you grow in it but back then that was as worse <laughs> that was i was in a very bad place and i remember all i could do for the first couple of weeks or month even that's 2013 back then was write one email a day that was already like and i was thinking okay peter you're kind of frozen because it's so like It was such a wild thought back then for me to, to start my own business. Like no one in my family had done that really. It was like totally out of my, my environment. None of my friends had done that. So I had no one where I could like, you know, relate to and be like, oh yeah, he did it and it's fine. And it was only like external figures. And I was only, <laughs> so I forced myself to do one task a day at least because I knew I wanted it. I was just not in the mindset, you could say, that required, that was suitable at the time because I was, I had too much fear. So I forced myself to write one, to do one task a day, write one email a day, find a new supplier or find a supplier for my product, one email a day until I found one, you know, and then I have one call a day. <laughs> and that carried on for quite a while, I can say. That carried on for quite a while. And I was, I had, a lot of feelings come up once you go down the path and you, you notice that your main thing you got to work on is indeed your head is indeed your mindset. Because if my mind would have been in the right place, I could have written a hundred emails a day, you know? So, but I, I'm fine with how it went, but I remember how much of a struggle for my brain it was at first to live with this thought of, Because once you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're basically in space. You're, you're looking around and you can go anywhere. That amount of dimensions in which you can go, like directions, is also kind of overwhelming. If you have a job and someone in the morning tells you what to do, you, you have a limited amount of directions you can go that day. That's also sort of soothing, I find, and very comfortable. I, I felt once I went out into space... I was like, all right, so that's what I'm, you know, you start missing things once, once they're gone. And, and that's what I realized. And that's something you got to put up with. And once you do that, you grow, obviously. And the space you are in as an entrepreneur is way beyond what the Monopoly game squares allow you, where you can build a red house or a greenhouse onto the fields. You can basically build a barbershop or a rocket station you know you can, the, the limitlessness of the options can be overwhelming and i think that's a, a big thing you grow into with the mindset exactly that's what you've been talking about like this growing into this taking baby steps 
that very, very much reminded me of when I started out also very small steps were very low intensity and then you get better and better and better. For example, at one point I was publishing at startuprate.io one interview a month and sometimes new strap ups. Now I'm down to one interview a week, sometimes additional episodes, special publication, bonus episodes. And once a month, I do the startup news with Christian and you just get better to it. You just develop skills. It's the same with the emails. In the beginning, I was overwhelmed, even though I, I was already having a full-time job when I had five emails. Now it's no exception. If I go back to the office Monday morning, I turn on my laptop and I see in my AI filter alone there are more than 200 emails. Actually, also this AI filter is something that helps me a lot because I just go after the headlines and everything. I don't release from this AI filter. I never have to read or see again. Right. And you also you also started a whole new platform and everything. You know, it's it's not it, it's it's growing. Like you, you're building your whole ecosystem. So and it's nice that every time I see I see you again or we we do this i see how, how both of us grow in their in their spaces so i see so we're now back you've been to this farm in kansas riding on horseback and getting cow and cattle ready then you came back and you take took very small baby steps into developing your first product then at one point it was successful and we did the interview and what happened then because i do understand you also have now a company that does much more. At the time, we called it Pythia when I interviewed you. But now uh, in LinkedIn, your brand is Swarm Intelligence. And with that, you're doing much more. Can you elaborate a little bit on the path you took there? That's right. Yes, of course. So the main next, once I had found my piece with, it took, like I said, a couple of months, almost a year when I found my peace with my new role and my, my new path that I took. And I, you know, started being on top of things. I met another, another entrepreneur and he told me that he had three companies. I was like, what? I, I was sitting next to him and I was like, what? Three companies? How is that possible? That's outrageous. It was completely out of my universe. To have multiple companies, like one person, how does that make sense? Isn't that how do you do that? You know, is it, how do you manage that? You know, how you how do you where do you get the time from? What what do you do? So I, I talked to him, and he he really blew my mind with this, just with with saying this, and for me it was completely out of here. So um, and he said, well, you manage this. That little spark made me think about the idea of replicating the success of one product, one brand, because you can have it once it started, you can have it managed, you can add people. And then obviously you can also keep on that and keep the focus, but you can also start more companies than one. That basically was the next big mindset change. And this was like, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. So I started a, a bunch of more uh, brands I started a socks brand and, and a CBD brand. That's, I started a detergent brand for men. I, it collected up to 11 brands. And all of them had in common that they were mostly online focused and trend focused. 
And so over the course of that, we built our own software in-house in order to keep all the brands well covered with, with the newest trends. And we basically built already back then a trend scouting machine that would take data from the internet and aggregate it and find new trends. And at some point, then we attracted bigger attention and one German billionaire saw an article and um, he decided to, to come along and and he said, do you want to take the software and make a spin-out, you know, a spin-off? So we created another company just for the software and have been developing it since. So we, we got into software through that. And now it's a SaaS software and a lot of the companies uh, are on our partners and user lists and we mostly do corporate. That's that. Um, but from a mindset perspective, the most important thing was just that little spark of someone telling me, hey, you can have more than one company that. <laughs> so that's the next chapter. When I reflect a little bit from the outside, was this the step when you decided to come from a place of being an entrepreneur with one company to a multi-entrepreneur to have a portfolio of companies? Was that the step you're describing? Yes, exactly. That was, I think, the next, the first big mindset part, I think, is once you, you realize you're an entrepreneur now and you are able to direct your energy where you want to into that space. The first big step of mindset is doing that and losing the fear or getting rid of some of the fear. You obviously never lose the fear totally, but making a deal with your fears and being able to, to work. And then the next big step for me was this thought of being able to expand. And so that was, I think, the second big uh, mindset step. And can you share with us a few hints and tricks you've learned to control something like almost a dozen of different businesses by now? Yes. So it's obviously, it is resource allocation It's an absolute resource allocation game. So where do you allocate your money and your time and where does it make most sense? And how do you deploy that in an efficient manner? So that's, that's the game you're entering in, I think, when you decide to do that. It's obviously also the same game uh, when you have one company, but that takes it to another level. And I... I had to force myself in some ways to stop doing some things, to, to stop doing uh, things that other people can do as well. Actually, I got to add that to in between as that's also a mind step thing. <laughs> a mind step thing. A mind. Don't worry. We call it, we call this interview Peter Hart talking about mind steps. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it mind step for now because I'm going to say it anyway. So that's a big, big mind step that you, decide that you learn to let go and you learn that other people can do what you do as well and they do it in a different way and some people get really irritated by that and me uh, that was for me as well especially if you're sort of a perfection person you really have to let that go because other people do it in their way but in the end you can't do it all by yourself 
And internalizing that thought is, I think, for each person that wants to become an entrepreneur, something that they have to let go at some time, at some point in their career. For some people, it's easier. For some people, it's really hard. I think I was somewhere in between. But you got to let it go because you can't do it all and you can't run run Amazon by yourself because it's way too much <laughs> to do, you know. I would say you can try it for just one day and then you're done. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Bezos cannot answer all the customer calls. It's just impossible. But it would be very interesting what would happen if Jeff Bezos would be for just one day under an Amazon customer hotline. That would be just amazing. But very important for me was how do you decide what do you do and what do you don't do? Well, I think that that's... It's a difficult question. I know it's a difficult it's, it's, question too because I don't want to go into the specifics because that's not... I think you got to figure out which of my tasks can I package in a way that someone else can do them. That's an easy one with customer messages, even though if you love your business, it's also you really want your customers to get the best answers onto their questions as possible. And if someone, you know, if that yourself you know the business best so you have and you probably love it the most within the company from all persons so you are gonna answer your customer messages from your perspective in the best way possible and let's stick to that little example even that is hard to give away because you see someone else answering your customers and you look at the message and you're like uh, could you do this a little bit kinder maybe and let that person ask three questions and you only answer two and you get really stuck on that but it's the way that things are if it's your own there's no one ever or barely no one ever can be really lucky which i was but with some of my crew you can't count on anyone loving your business as much as you do that has you have to really internalize that because otherwise you won't be able to let go because you always see the difference in quality and the difference in love between you doing a task and someone else so that's those other things it's usually always with all these things in growing it's an inner fight and you and the way let's call it an inner inner debate and if you manage to settle it in a way that's productive, then you move on and you grow. And that's basically the, the main work. And then basically the rest of the work is, you know, telling someone <laughs> to do it, which is, I think, the smaller portion. It's all a mindset work. I also like your approach. I would personally say, uh, like you described, everything you can like really outsource. You can probably describe that another person can actually do it. That's really important. And secondly, would I also try to think about is the impact. So what is the final impact? That's why I also review all audio and video content myself. First, I do the little snippets I now share on social media just myself because that's the impression I want to have. And I really cannot get somebody else to take responsibility for that because I cannot really describe it. That's something personal. And until I'm able to do that, until I'm able to really teach that to someone, 
I have to do it myself. That's the impact down the road I was getting at. That's right. And that's also a task of the whole thing, obviously, to be able to package it in a way someone else understands what you want as precisely as possible. And, you know, there's a lot of things you learn along this way. But the main thing is, I think, the, the mindset work. Because once your mind, and that this is over all these years, and the way things build up on top of each other, it was every time was the same thing. If my mindset grew, then my business grew afterwards. And if my mindset grew, I attracted more stronger people. So it was always this pattern. And I think it makes a lot of sense, obviously, because if you imagine uh, the Peter from eight years ago who was sitting there with his one email a day, not being able to hand over any work to anyone else, that Peter obviously didn't, you can't put him in the role that I'm in today. So it was always a inner growth that then triggered an outside growth. I really like that. And I think that are awesome closing words. And I also would like to add from a corporate and an entrepreneurial perspective, that was always the hardest, not only doing your work yourself, but also getting somebody else smart enough to do it with smart enough. I don't mean how smart the person is, but giving them the right information to do the task properly, not only describing do this and this and that. And then at the end, there comes an email to the client, but also try to be positive, try to be this and that really properly describe what you're looking for, not necessarily how to do it, but the goal. And if you have the uh, the best employees possible, they'll know what to do. Otherwise, you can help them. That's the way I would do it. But I'm also open if you find a different way, a better way for you. Yes. And obviously, you grow your skill and time. You have a better eye for who you want to work with and who you don't. That's obviously a learning and experience process, which everybody has to do. And I have two experiences I want to share that never seem to work, but a lot of people do that. They go, give an employee a handful of buzzwords they usually don't understand themselves and say, do it, and then they leave. Or they come. There was something a friend of mine uh, called the seagull management method. They come in, yell like crazy, and then disappear for weeks, and then they come in again, make lots of noise like seagulls, and then they disappear again. Both of them don't work. And I also found it very helpful if you have, again, planning of your time, windows in your day that, for example, when I work big teams, I always walked around once or twice a day, was checking with everybody, you guys doing okay, any questions, just to be open to get some feedback, because otherwise, you'll have a lot of work scheduled throughout the day and then people keep interrupting you and i found it to be more productive if i proactively approach the people in order to get those breaks managed mm -hmm. interesting yeah right. that's a process you found you know and and the th two examples you, you described that's somewhere are in there are a lot of fears stuck If I, I also have seen like examples like that of people just shouting around in their office and then disappearing. <laughs> Seagulls, yes. <laughs> and and you, there is a cap to how successful you can get with that. You can get somewhere 
with that tactic and that mindset. But there's a cap somewhere. You won't become Jeff Bezos or Elon that way, just to, to put a cap somewhere. So there is a cap to each obstruction and mindset, and you can only go so far with it. And if that person is brilliant and shouts the right things uh, once a week into his office, then maybe it even works out and puts the people who can work with that environment in there and, and does that. But it still caps at some point. And that's what you want to release. You want to release those caps if you want to keep growing, unless you're just comfortable with where you are and you can just leave it that way. Right. Okay, Joe. Sorry, you, you really make me laugh here. I just uh, if there's a brilliant person, they go into the office, yell the red buzzwords one day a week, and then they <laughs> disappear again. That may even work. I've never seen that working. But I've seen it work, but it caps somewhere, you know, depending what you understand from it works. Is it a profitable business that makes a million a year? That can already be it works, you know, but for if you ask to go back to these guys if you ask jeff uh, what is a business that works he'll be like yeah well a business like mine is a business that works so depends on what you what you want if you want to go big then it doesn't work at some point i think great peter i think i'll have you back maybe sometime early next year and we further this discussion so far thank you very much for sharing your steps from becoming a cowboy on a ranch in Kansas, to a scared entrepreneur, to a multi-business entrepreneur with their own portfolio. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. My pleasure, Joe. See you again. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.